Hi, hello everyone. My name's Mick Hofford uh, from Luton Town Football Club. I'm here today to, uh, to do a podcast with Rachel and Troy and really looking forward to it. Welcome to Behind the Dugout Podcast. I'm Rachel Downey. Join myself and Troy Townsend each week when we go behind the scenes to look at the world of football. We will chat to those involved in the beautiful game or those who simply just love football. This is the Behind the Dugout Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Mick, Sunderland-born, how, how did it all start for you? Where did your love of football begin? Uh. Well, it goes a long way back. Uh, I was at a school called St Cuthbert's, a uh, Catholic school for for, uh, uh, for mixed children, and we uh, we had a great uh, great teacher there called Mr McAuliffe, who would uh, take us out every lunchtime and uh, break time and teach us how to play football, and he was excellent. Irishman, unfortunately, not around at the moment. He died a few years ago, and uh, one day he said to me, he said, "If you, because I used to go out for my lunch." He said, if you don't stay here and train with us at lunchtime, you won't get in the team. So then, so then I started having school dinners, which I didn't really like. <laughs> and uh, Mr McAuliffe was, was the start of my football career. Uh, and really, ironically, in that team was myself, Kevin Dillon and Mickey Hazard. And we wow. were like eight, nine years old. And, oh. you know, Mickey Hazard, is, you know Mickey Hazard, yeah. he's, he's a superstar at... Uh, yeah. Superstar at Tottenham, and in my opinion, should have had loads and loads of England Absolutely. caps. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Dillon went on to have a good career for Birmingham and Newcastle. So that, that's where it all started at, at uh, St Cuthbert School, and my old school teacher. You always remember your PE teachers as well, didn't you? I remember mine, Mr. Mr. Barber and Mr. Bailey. He, he was actually our maths teacher, believe <laughs> was he? Not, yeah, but not he took it on. Yeah. Well, he took it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was an amazing guy, absolutely amazing guy. And, and throughout the, the years of St Cuthbert's, they won, they won every trophy. I mean, there was, there was other players who've gone on to be professional footballers from, from St Cuthbert's wow. as well. They weren't messing around. It's a good around. grounding at uh, Sunderland, yeah. So if you didn't turn down home meals, if you said, oh, you've got to go and I've got to go, yeah. I've got to go and have school meals. I can't, li- I don't like it, but I've got to have it. You would not be sitting here with us today. Yeah. Uh, I still had a love for football, but yeah. I did, I did that, those, those early days and, Playing with your mates every day and mm. afternoon, and I mean, it was a when, when we were kids, you had a long lunchtime. It was an hour and a half in those yeah, days. Was it really? From Twelve to one thirty, yeah. What? Those those oh, lunch the breaks. School was easier back in the day, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> those, those lunch breaks were long, and we had loads of time. And in the in the winter, we would play football. In the in the summer, we would play cricket. Wow, great school, amazing. And, and you said when you were about fourteen or fifteen, you gave up on the idea of playing football. Like, why was that? So, what happened from you know playing at school, obviously being very good at it, loving it? Like, did you spend those years trying to you know g- get spotted? Get like, what happened up until fourteen, fifteen? Uh, it's an interesting story, but I never really want. I never really thought about getting spotted. I mean, I just wanted to practice and play, and used to play in the backyard and bouncing the ball against the wall. And my dad, who would be on night shift, would be out the window saying, "No, you, well, I can't repeat the words. What you used to tell me, <laughs> stop that and all that now. But you carry on playing. You play with your mates in the streets. Some some great friends who I still keep in touch with now, who who are better footballers than me. But I, I got I got fortunate." I got to the age of 15 or 16 and got to the point where I'd had a trial. I'd been playing for, had a trial for Sunderland, I'd been playing for Sunderland boys and never got taken on and really I decided to just go and watch Sunderland instead and I followed them all around the country between the age of 
15, 16, and uh, that was my passion, following Sunderland. That was my team. That was your first love? That was my first love and still is, yeah, and uh, I su still support the team. And You see them at Wembley? You haven't missed a Wembley game? I, I haven't missed a Wembley game since 1973, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... Wow. Uh, and I was at the 73 You was at game. the 73. I'll yeah, never yeah. forget the 73. Which, strangely enough, is 50 years anniversary on the 5th of May. Wow, so brilliant. Sunderland won the cup. Yeah. What did 73 do for you then? Being there, watching it, watching Sunderland win. Did it give you an appetite to, you know? Yeah, obviously it was the first time I'd ever ever, ever been in London. First I got really? to Yeah, first time I ever come to London. I was, oh, wow. I was 14 years old and uh, London, the big city, the bright lights and... Mm. I wasn't thinking about me. All I was thinking okay. about was about is Sunderland going to win the game, and, that, you know, and that, that's what it's all about, and that's what meant to us. Uh, but it does give you like to, the appetite to, yeah. to want to play and then become one of those, become one of your heroes. You know, yeah. my heroes were, were Vic Allen, Billy Hughes, Bobby Kerr, and all those Dave Bobby Watson Kerr. who played in yeah. that uh, in that team in that in that year. You know, and, legendary uh, names. Oh, yeah. absolutely, mm -hmm. and uh, great times. Great. I'll never. I, I missed a bit of football, but I'll never give up those times. Mm. Do you mind? Sorry. No, go for uh, it. What, so when did you finally get noticed? When was it that you realised that people were looking at you, taking your ability into account? A, f a friend of mine called Tommy Young, uh, and his brother, funnily enough, Kevin Young, yeah. uh, was at St Cuthbert School, and wow. he played for Burnley. He was one of the lads who went on to be a professional footballer. Tommy knocked on my door with the, with the, uh, the manager, uh, Norman Alder. He said, Mick, do you want to come and play with us at, uh, for Lampton Street Boys Club? And, I went, and the, the manager said, we'll give you 50p a goal. <laughs> I went, that'll do me. Yeah. <laughs> that'll oh, do wow. me. Brilliant. So we had a friendly the next day on the evening up at Easyton Colliery, one of the welfare grounds and that, you know, and the pitch was perfect. And uh, I scored three that night and uh, I think we won about 5-0. We had a really good team. Yeah. some really good players. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, then I started playing for Lampstreet Boys for the next two years. Then our manager, Norman Alder, had a friend called Alan Harding, who was a left winger at Lincoln. Right. Uh, and he got in touch with Alan, said, look, we've got some decent players here, you need, need to come and have a look at them. So Alan told Graeme Taylor, who was then the manager, Graeme came up to, uh, to watch us, and, and he watched us three or four times and took four of us down to Lincoln. Wow. Myself, Alan Eden, Keith Laybourne, who's not around anymore, yeah. and, and uh, Mickey Smith. So four of us went on and uh, we got picked up from that eight, under-18s team. I love, what I love about you is um, I heard that it was, for you it was never about the money. It was, it was just to play. You just wanted to be the best you could be. He had £1.50 on his first <laughs> appearance. I mean, come on, it's definitely <laughs> not about the money. <laughs> I, I, I have a philosophy about football and I think it's obviously you want to be the best you can. But you've got to enjoy your football. You've got to go and play and enjoy it. And my, my philosophy was I wanted my teammates to realise that I was a good player. Yeah. So every day I would train really hard. I loved training. I liked being out on the grass. I loved being amongst the lads. I loved the day-to-day the -day, uh, uh, infrastructure yeah, of the players yeah. and the football club. And it's just, it's just a, it's a wonderful thing to do and all that. And it's... It's everyone's dream, basically, and I, I was, I was there to live that dream, and I'm, I'm really respectful of it, and that, you know, and I, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it, and played with, I met some amazing people, played with some amazing players, yeah, along the way. And I guess football has changed. Like, if you look at, you know, the the, the 80s, and you have said, 
the football pitch was an intimidating place to be. Like, how explain that? Because I know I don't really want to focus too much on you know you you were known as like you know the Hardman of you know the Premier League, and because <laughs> I, I mean I don't know if you if you like that title if that's like yeah. So explain what it was like in those days of football, especially compared to now. I think I think it's it's good to have some kind of intimidatory factor. Yeah, I mean people use it. People have used it. I mean. And, and I wouldn't name players, but I've played with players who, who are a lot harder than me, a lot tougher than me. And with, uh, but I, in my, I just thought I was brave. I'd put my head in anywhere, I'd do whatever, I'd tackle anything, and that's what I thought I was. Whether that was hard, I, I don't know. I mean, you've left a few on, you've left a few things on a few people, and I've been, I've had. A, I mean, I, I have a saying about I don't have a face like this. By playing one twos on the edge of my own box, yeah. and then you get these faces by putting your head in and, and breaking your nose and cutting your lip, and and that, that's that's what happens. But uh, it it did help. I mean, and, I mean, there's a lot of infamous people who've used their reputation to enhance their careers. I mean, Vinny was one of them yeah. who I played with. I mean, Roy Keane, who's who's yeah. arguably the best player ever to play in the Premier League. He had a really intimidating. Just something about, about him, yeah. something yeah. about him, which put the fear into the opposition, and I think if you can use that, yeah. it's 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 a it's a good tool, and that you know. Can I just say that you used to put the fear in me, and I was only watching from my TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about yeah. you, Mick, where oh. you whatever was going on, you dust yourself down, and then you go and put yourself back into that situation again. There was no stepping away from it or creating something bigger than what it was. It was a game that you knew that you were going to take some bumps and bruises. You were handing out some bumps and bruises, and you just got on with it. Yeah, man, we used to clatter each other. You know, they used to used to have a free, free, uh, a free hit. That's yeah. what we used to call it in those days. You know, because you wouldn't get booked or you wouldn't get sent off. You'd have a free hit on one or two and all that. You know, you leave a bit on for people, and you, you got it left on yourself. But uh, it was a, it was more of a more of a physical game in mm. those days. More yeah. intimidating. There was that that. That that intimidating factor was used a lot more in those days, and uh, mm. I mean, when I mean, you look at the Wimbledon team, and that, you know, it was. Uh, I remember one day when we were playing for Wimbledon, and uh, we were getting beat four 0 off Blackburn uh, when they won the title that year. And, okay. Yeah. And one of their players said, uh, "Don't get bored on the pitch." This was on the pitch, and I said to Vinny, "I said, Vinny, have you heard him?" He went, yeah, I heard him, don't worry about that. <laughs> so on the way up, we had a big scuffle in the tunnel and all that, you know, and we sat down in the dressing room and Joe Kinney was walking up and down the, uh, walking up and down the dressing room and he said, uh, you're a good team in the tunnel, you lot. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance so you do said, it on yeah. the green stuff? Yeah, yeah. please do it on the green you're stuff. You're the best team in the Premier League in the tunnel, he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well behaved. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of stories as well, um, off the pitch, I know that there was a story about a nunchuck in a yeah, pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. Oh dear. Have <laughs> still got the scars. Have, well. have we got to go there? Have we? <laughs> well, we yeah. can touch on it. My friend of mine, Tony Coton, who's my mm. best friend, we were, we were in a bar in Watford one Sunday night, and a few of the England players were there. Had been they were flying out Luton Airport mm. for for a game somewhere, and uh, we were drinking with the barman, the, the manager, and all that, and we had a few drinks. Uh, Never went mental and everything, no. And my friend Tony went to the toilet down the end of the bar, which is about 20 yards away. He's come back out and he's got involved in a scuffle. We've got, I've ran down and got stuck in, laid a few, we laid a few out and stuff and all that. And uh, it kicked off. And I've gone back to the bar 
And the barman's pulled, pulled something over from the bar and said, and hit me over the head with these nunchucks, wow. split me head. Yeah. And I said, what, what's going on here? And uh, he said, causing trouble in my pub and all that, you know, and anyway. So I, I ran behind the bar after him and he's ran upstairs <laughs> in, his, in his flat or whatever and I've shut the door, come back down and uh, we, I went to the hospital, got stitched up and uh, Tony hit it someone so hard, Tony hit one of the lads so hard, I said, Tom, we need to go back and see if he's all right, you know. Yeah. So You'd been through all of that and you still so wanted to go we, back? We and... actually went back to the pub to wow. see if this lad was all right, you know. Yeah. And, uh, wow. The, the pub was shut down, all the lights were off, so we just shut off. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no place there, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah, so, yeah. That was the, the old days, though, wasn't that was it? The old yeah. Days. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wine bars now. Wine yeah. bars. <laughs> they are indeed, <laughs> and you have to act quite differently <laughs> in wine bars. Let's On the pitch... You spoke about, obviously, you know, the, the kind of way that you carried yourself and other players did during that period of time. Who was the toughest opponent for you? Who was the toughest centre-half or it's, pairing it's, for you? It's a real good question, Troy, and uh, I get asked it a lot uh, because there were some outstanding uh, centre-halves in, in my time. And I, I normally pair them up, like Bruce and Pallister, mm. Lawrence and Hanson and... I mean, Fennick and McDonald at QPR yeah. were tough. Yeah. Alvin Martin, Tony Gale, they were really, really good players and tough. And it was hard to get the better of them. And then two of the worst ones was the boys at Oxford, Shotton and Briggs. You know, they, they, I remember them. Yeah. They, they were mental. I mean, you had, you, had, you had to be on your guard when you played against them. You know, when the ball was there on the other end, you you'll, you'll see an elbow come towards wow. you on the halfway line. You had to be on your guard. But I think, I think. Arguably the toughest and probably the best I, I thought was who I used to play against, and he, he hurt me a few times, especially Kendall with Throat. Mm. Was there uh, Paul McGrath? Absolutely legend of a player, Amazing. tough man. Yeah, we all know his uh, his 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 career and all yeah, that. Now and yeah. how, how good he was, and uh, absolutely brilliant footballer. But he had a bit of steel in him, and uh, he just went about it in a quiet way and laid it on you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I saw him about. I saw him about. <clears throat> Excuse me, I saw him about three years ago in, in Dublin. Yeah. In uh, at a Bruce Springsteen concert and uh, what a lovely guy. Did you reminisce? <clears throat> we did reminisce and like all that. that. I, I do like that. Yeah. We had, yeah. We had, really we had a lovely, lovely hour chatting away and all that and now what a lovely guy. Did yeah. you tell him as well you were the toughest what? centre back? Did you he, give him that or he, he knew? He knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. He, 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 he knew, knew. He knew. Go home with that yeah. one. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. What was it like when <laughs> You, you Do you want to declare? Do you want to declare? My love. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I, um, my father and I, my father and I, um, and, and obviously Troy, um, we all have soft spots for Luton Town. For me, it's how I got into football. It's sitting at Kenilworth Road. And, and I think we all have that romantic story of what, how we came across falling in love with football. And for me, it was just going with my dad, having that time with my dad, who, you know, born and bred in Luton, and, and just watching a game of Lu at Luton Town. And it's, and which is, you know, one yeah. of the reasons why I got so excited about having you here today. What was that like for you joining Luton Town? That's, it's a beautiful story, that. And uh, <clears throat> in the, 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 it's such an iconic stadium, mm. I mean, for, for what it is and yeah. that, you know. And, <clears throat> when it goes, there'll be be a lot of sad people, yeah. and I'll be one of them, you know, yeah. because it's, it's it's an amazing place and so many memories, absolutely so many memories. Mm -hmm. But I was at Birmingham, and uh, I wasn't in the team at Birmingham. Uh, I was I was on the periphery of the team. I'd had a bad injury in my lip, and uh, I was struggling to get back in the team. And I was playing in the under twenty ones, whatever it was. Yeah. 
and Pleatley came to the game. I don't know whether he came to watch me or whatever, but he saw me play and he, he signed me for, for Luton. And Luton, Luton was on the... On a, Luton had a really good team. They had some really top players like Brian Steen, Rick Ricky Hill. Hill yeah. uh, I mean, Ashley Grimes, Mal mm, Donaghy. Ashley Grimes, the place yeah. was The place was Les Seeley, Andy Dibble. The place was full of international players and all yeah. that. Now and they... <clears throat> they would they would they would play a brand of football which was exciting but they they just didn't have a didn't have that core down the middle right okay mm. and they uh, they and they signed Steve Foster myself and Steve Peter Foster, Nicholas yeah. so he put a bit of a spine down there and David Priest also God rest his soul he's not around anymore as Les Seely isn't yeah. and he brought a bit of steel to the team and it was made a hell of a difference so where Luton would win four two one day or get beat three nil or whatever we start drawing nil nil or yeah. win, Nick and wins one nil or winning 2-0 and clean, keeping clean sheets. And we start to climb the table and become a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fell in love with Luton. I fell in love with the club. I fell in love with the town. Yeah. I fell in love with the people. Uh, and I've got a lot of lot of uh, great friends in Luton. And it's uh, if I wasn't a Sunderland fan... I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, but I have a passion for, for Luton. I have a mm-hmm. passion for the football club and the town that's... Uh, it's a, it's a great place to be, and my son was born in Luton Brilliant. at the L&D Hospital. So yeah. I, have a, mm. I have a great link with, Lincoln, uh, with Luton, and it's a, it's, a, it's a really, really good club. And mm. at the moment, we're doing really well. At yeah. I, I adopted the club because of the kit. Yeah. So I love the orange kit with the yeah. stripe down the side. Mm. I just something about it. I said yeah. I don't see anyone else wearing kits like that. No, that's one of my favourites. But I never got to wear that kit. Oh, yeah. why? Oh, it was before my time. Oh, and I, hope I am really am old yeah. then. Yeah, I'll thanks, Mick. We'll try and get that yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. We'll get yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. We need to get yeah. it back. I've got the back. orange scarf when yeah. I still go. I always go Boxing yeah. Day with my dad. Oh, brilliant. And I wear the orange scarf that he must have given me, I don't know, when I was very, very little. And I, I guess my older brother must have had it before before <laughs> me. But yeah, I still wear, wear the orange scarf. You must have scarf. been at the Luton game last week, were you at Luton Watford last week? No, but you I want my, da- my dad's still like, I could be anywhere. And he's like, have you seen the, 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 the Luton score? And I'm like, yeah. um, yes, I have, yes, I have. <laughs> I definitely want to go like down and, and watch another game very, very it's soon. It's another one where we have to put it on our bucket we're list. Yeah, we go yeah. together and we'll... Meet up with Mick yeah. and we'll go and watch a game. Yes. I'm more than happy to, yeah. to look after you. Yeah, oh, there you go, there you go yeah. then. That's what a great but, invite. But, but last week was special when we yeah. beat Watford. It's got to be, isn't it? Yeah. And we, we played really well and the crowd was up for it and the atmosphere there was like like the good old days yeah. when, when, when you went with your father. Yeah. It was brilliant, yeah. brilliant time. And, uh, yeah. It was a great it's, day, yeah. You, you get those goosebumps every time you go in. And what, I mean, it's hard to kind of pinpoint one particular game, but for you... Is there a game that stands out more than the other? Or uh, an easier question would be, is there a season that sticks out to you playing at Luton Town? Well, the season of 88 was mm. really, really good. Uh, what happened at the end of the well, no, yeah, Near the end of that yeah. season, what happened well, there? Well, we went to Wembley. We, we got to Wembley a few times that year, yeah. believe it or not. Mm. We, we had a great season. Uh, we, got to, we got to the FA Cup semi-final and we lost at White Hart Lane to... Uh, to Wimbledon. Yes. Uh, we got to the Simod Cup final at Wembley and we lost to Reading 4-1. And I'll never forget our manager, Ray Harford, was in the uh, in the dressing room at Spurs, White Hart Lane. And he said, he said, lads, he said, we'd lost to Reading, we lost the FA Cup semi-final and we're in the final against Arsenal. Mm. Oh, for, for Luton, that, that's some season, you know. And he, he said, lads, he said, he said, you're too good a team not to, not to get a trophy this year and all yeah. that, you know. And, 
<clears throat> and we were down, we were finished. We thought yeah. we finished. That was the end of our season. And knocked us sideways. Those two defeats. Yeah. And uh, he, he was really good, Ray, and he, he managed us really well for the next two or three weeks and got us up for it. And obviously, uh, we, had, we had a fantastic win there. And Steeny got got the late goal in the ninety first, ninety second minute. That's right. Yeah. yeah so. How did you do it? How did you do it? How did you beat Arsenal at Wembley? Well, we had a bit of spirit amongst us. Amongst us, that was a. Uh, that was our biggest thing. We we had a real good spirit and camaraderie, mm. uh, which, in my opinion, was endeared by our captain Steve Foster. He was one of the signers who yeah. who we signed, and Fozzy Fozzy brought us all together. He was the link. He was a big link, and we all we had nights out, days out, and all that. You know, and he was he was a good good uh, good captain, Fozzy. Mm. Arguably one of the best players I ever played with. Wow. So so for me, it was all about spirit and camaraderie. Yeah. Obviously allied with with some ability because we you have to we, we, don't you? We were a good team and yeah. Yeah, we had some decent players and uh, we we deserved to win that day. Yeah, so I was, great again, day. It was one of them front room cheering anyone that could beat Arsenal. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally Luton's agree. But with Luton massive. doing it yeah. is amazing. So I asked you about the the toughest opponent, and Paul McGrath would probably come up in a lot of people's. Yeah, kind of, of course. What about, who did you compliment as centre-forward? Who was probably the centre-forward that you complimented each other the most? What, playing with? Playing with, yeah. Well, that, that's a really good question. Again, because uh, I played with some good good mm. players. Uh, I played with uh, Dean Saunders at, uh, at Derby. Yeah. Uh, played with, with a, a lot of good players in my younger career when I was when I was coming through. Uh, obviously, I played with Chris Waddle at Newcastle, but Waddle was on the wing and I, I, I was up front. Uh, and I played with a, kid, a lad called Alan Shoulder. You might not Alan remember. Alan Shoulder? No, I do. Well, I'll, I'll, you're hitting my yeah, ear down yeah, to a team. I'll claim from Blythe Spartans. That's and right. And uh, it was tough for me going from, because I went from Lincoln to Newcastle. Yeah. And it was really, really tough for me. Uh, what, because you supported Sunderland? Sunderland. <laughs> and he looked after me, to be fair, but it really never worked out for me. Yeah. But it, it taught me a real lesson going to Newcastle about, you know, the fans getting on top of you and. and, mm. and and let, let them get the better of you, basically. Mm. And, and I crumbled. I actually crumbled. I was okay. 19, 20 years old, and I crumbled. And uh, I, I got out of there. And the manager said, "Look, there's a Bristol City have came in for you. Do you want to go?" And I just said, "Yeah, let's go. Let's do it." And I, I resurrected my career. But those those few months, those nine months in Newcastle, were really, really good for my career. Right. So okay. Alan Shoulder was really good to me. Uh, Dean Saunders was, was a was a very good player when I played with Dean. Uh, really, really good, good goal scorer. Uh, quite selfish, looked after himself, scored goals. Uh, where else was I? Uh, Birmingham, I played with some good lads. Tony Evans was a good, good mm. striker. Another, very yeah. similar, to, very similar to uh, Dean Saunders. But the best one, uh, best one I played with was was uh, Brian Stein. Brian Stein. Brian Stein was a very, very good player. Uh, I didn't want to preempt that, <coughs> but actually, I no, thought no, it might. No, be. he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to to be involved with the England squad for a long time and yeah. played with the likes of Lineker and, and players like that, and Tony Cotty and Mark Hately and players you like still that. Still picked Brian Steen. Peter Beasley. <laughs> well, I only played with Peter for one game and right. for England, but I think over a period of time, me and Steenie were together yeah. for four or five years, and uh, he he was he was something special. Yeah. Brilliant. What amazing. was it like getting the call up for England? Was it something you always <laughs> assumed would happen? Do you hoped would happen, or you didn't think would happen? Well, you never assume it, but you're hoping. Uh, and it's yeah, yeah. I think I think in those days there was 
a lot of good English players around, more more English players around then than they are now. So I think it was harder to break into the to mm. the England team now. Where I mean, you have five or six good games now, and you get you'll get a cap. Where in in those days yeah. it was two or three years of hard work and three or two or three good seasons, then you might get a sniff, you know. And I got I got called up quite late. I was 27, 28 when I got called up. Uh, I'd had a real good season. It was 88, 89. Uh, a real good season. And i never forget walking into the hotel and the boys, I got there quite late for some reason, and the boys were having their uh, their dinner. It was an evening time. And I walked in there and you got Brian Robson and Glenn Hoddle and Jeez. Paul Gascoigne and Chris Waddle and... And you say to yourself, well, "What am I doing here?" And all that. Yeah. You know, what, 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 what's all this about? Why, why am I here? Why, what, you can't be involved with these. These are the best players in England, and uh, it was it was really weird. And the, the super guys, super guys, and they just make you so welcome and all yeah. that. You make you feel comfortable, and you go train the next day, and it's just like training with teammates. Yeah. Stories and all that you now, and it's uh, good. Don't take this question the wrong, wrong way. So, what were you doing there then? Uh, what was I doing there? <laughs> <coughs> I'm well, trying to be positive as yeah, well, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Well, trying to make an impression, really. Trying mm. to make an impression. And like I said to you earlier, uh, I just wanted to show those players that I was a good player. And yeah. uh, was I worthy of being there? And, yeah. uh, and that, that's because all things, all kinds of things goes through your mind when, you, when you're in with the, the elite players. Yeah. But you'd scored goals, yeah? That was yeah, I'd thing. scored goals. Yeah, scored yeah, goals. Yeah. In the, in the, in you were an elite player. Yeah. Do you see yeah. yourself as that? You're listening to the Behind the Dugout podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Uh, when you look back and you, you see, you look at your career, and people remind you of what yeah. you've done and all that. Now, but I think, I think, I think most footballers are quite humble and all that. Now, mm. and they, they don't want to talk about it really, and mm. let other people talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. amazing. Do you look yeah. back then and think, oh, "Wow, I, I, I've done this." Well, again, it's it's in your blood, isn't it? Football has always just been something you're passionate about. There's been lots of failures. Mm. I mean, I was at a few clubs where it doesn't work out. How do you pick yourself up? Obviously, that? Newcastle was was one of them, and uh, I was I was I was a bit devastated there. I went to Bristol City. Mm. I said this will never work out. It'll never never happen to me again, and it didn't. Oh, I just had a bit of belief in myself uh, from then. So I was only young. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what was the question again? How do you from that? How do you pick yourself up? So if you're struggling, <clears> you're in a team that you know is not working. How do you find that confidence to get carry well, on? Well, I think I think you have to you have to have belief in yourself, yeah. and I think for me, you have to work hard, and you have to train hard, mm. you have to do the right things, you have to sacrifice, you have to live properly, mm. and you have to make sacrifices. Uh, and I think that's what I did uh, to 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 get to where I got. Uh, yeah. Tough road, as everyone knows, footballers know. It's a, but it's very very rewarding, and uh, so many memories, so many good memories. Yeah. I suppose football was your everything, yeah? From my background, where I came from, a working-class background, I think mm. myself and all my friends and all the people in the North East, that was, that was your way out, basically. Yeah. You know, that was a way out. I was, I was a plumber for three years. And mm. I was a good plumber. I <laughs> yeah, I can't it. imagine you bad yeah. at doing anything. I didn't want any work done. Anyway, <laughs> there's my card, yeah? Brilliant, I like that. How difficult was it when... Retirement was knocking. No, it was easy for me. Was Retirement, it? yeah, really easy. Because I, I played till I was 38 and a half, oh. which was a good age in the yeah. half. Yeah, let's not forget yeah, that. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was touching 39, so I was really, really pleased with my career. And yeah, 
I mean, I, I, as I said to you earlier, I, I loved going into training. We were at Wimbledon when I retired. Me, Vinny, and uh, Gary Blissett, and a couple of lads Gary used Blissett, to. Yeah. We used to uh, car share on the way in and okay. stuff and all that. Now and uh, we knew all the shortcuts round the round the, <laughs> the A three. Yeah. And uh, we we had great times, absolutely great times. And I'd got to the point where I was. I, I loved training. Absolutely loved going into training. Loved being around, as I said, in the environment. And uh, I just got, I started getting a few aches and pains yeah. and couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And I strained my Achilles uh, the, the last game before I ever played against, I think we were playing, who did we play? We played Aston Villa. I'm mm. oh, sorry, we played West Ham. Mm. That was my, played West Ham and I did my Achilles. Never said anything and I carried on playing. My last game was against Aston Villa. You did and, your Achilles and never told anyone. Yeah, yeah, I just wow. wanted, wanted to play, and I, it was, it was, it was. And I just saw the physio, and he said, "Look, you need, you're going to have to have an operation." <laughs> and I said, "No, nah, just call it a day." So really? Yeah, yeah. I said, "Leave it to call it a day." Yeah. So. So and, you bowed then, out on your terms, though. I, yeah. Yeah. As such. Well, on, on, I said, "What do you think?" He said, "Well, you're going to be nine, to nine months of that sort." I said, oh, "What's the point?" Yeah. I'm 38, going on 39, mm. and fair play to Joe Kinnear, who I got the utmost respect yeah. for. I had a chat with Joe and he said, Mick, there's a job there for you. I do the under-23s, okay. under-21s at Wimbledon. And uh, I've, got, I've got Joe, uh, I've got to thank for Joe. Brilliant. You know, and, uh, he's, uh, he's, he set me on my way, really, yeah. in, in football, really. Yeah, amazing. And what was that like, all of a sudden, you know, being a caretaker, um, managing? It, it, did you get the same buzz from doing that as you did from football? Obviously, it's going to be very different because you're not playing. But did you enjoy it? Uh not really, because there's, really, there's a little bit of pressure. And Real you, answer. You, you, still think you're, you still think you're a player, and yeah. it takes... Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I was with the lads who I've been playing with. I mean, Because yeah. in, in those days, you play on the Saturday. Those who never play on the Saturday play on the Tuesday. Okay. And it's not like that nowadays. And yeah. So you'd have a team, an experienced team, uh, on, on the Tuesday and all that, and I'm going, oh, these are my mates and all that. What, yeah. what do I say to them and all that? I've got to tell him off. Yeah. Tell them he's rubbish or he's having a bad game and all that. Now. But you, you get used to it. And, the, and, the, and players, players know, players know. Like mm. there's, there was a bit of respect for for for, for each other yeah. in terms of that. And, and then it was, but it's difficult. That stepping over that line is is, is, is a difficult task because mm. you still have that playing mentality. Yeah, that's yeah. all you. So did you know you wanted to do that, or was that because Joe had said, "Look, there's a job here for you. If you want it, you can go transition uh, to there." Did I want to do? It? I never. I wasn't really passionate about coaching. I wasn't really desperate to become a coach or a manager. Mm. Uh, I was fascinated by it. Yeah, I was really fascinated by it because I, when when you have managed, and I weren't manager for a long time, but I know what they go through. I know. I know what the mm. what the, the tortures. I never forget one day when uh, we played Man City at home and. Uh, Joe did all the tactics and all that, got the team out and blah, blah, blah. And he must have went, he must have went home that night, lay in bed, and he must have been tossing and turning all night. And uh, he come in the next day and he, and he went, he ripped the thing off. He said, he said, forget all that. I mean, he never said that. He yeah. began with an F and all that. He said, <laughs> he said forget all that. He said, this is what we're going to do. And he said, he said, uh, he said right, he said, Kenny, Kenny Cunningham. Yeah. He said, you're going to mark their best player, King Clasley. And we're going, what's going on here? What's yeah. going on? Kenny, you mark him, you shuffle around there, we'll do this, and we're going to play 10 v 10. Wow, okay. That's what he said, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was unbelievable. So he must have been thinking all that, and I'm saying to myself, well, cool, he must have been... This up, is, up all this, night. And it took a bit of bollocks to do it, and yeah. all that, now yeah, to yeah. change your plan at, at, at half past one in the afternoon. Big old bollocks. And, it, and, he's, <laughs> and, he, and he's going, right, there you go. And uh, 
We won 3-0. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. King Clazzy never had a kick. Yeah. And Kenny Cunningham was the best player on the pitch. Huh. Wow. <laughs> just goes to show yeah, best yeah. laid plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. because of that, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. just go, do you know what? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I'm so. going to go with this. And I, and I thought, well, this management's uh, <laughs> got interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think I could do this somehow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, how did, I'll say, so how did your, like, you're now, you know, Chief Recruitment Officer at Luton Town. You're, before we just talk about that, I I read about <clears> how you scored an own, own goal on purpose when you were playing for Derby, um, purely to make sure Luton didn't get relegated. Luton clearly is in your blood. I mean... But, I mean that. I love that you got away with that. I love that you can talk about it openly now. Was it a, a foregone conclusion for you deep down that you were going to end up back at Luton in one way or another? Not really. No, you you, you can't uh, just expect to turn up at a club and and get a job because you you've had a good yeah. career there. I think you have to earn the right to 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 work at a certain club and work at a certain level. Uh, but when Nathan came back, and I'd been. I've been dipping in and out of Luton. I got the sack when I was the manager there. We mm. yeah. we we had those thirty points and we got relegated into the conference. Right. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have a good start, so they sacked me. And I I was totally respected for that that Gary and, and the board decided to do that. Yeah. Then maybe four or five years later, Gary's invited me back to come in with Nathan mm. Nathan Jones when Nathan got the job about seven years ago, and I've been there for the past seven years. Uh, so now it's uh, it's. Uh, it's 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 you just can't expect to to, to be given a job at a football yeah. club. Yeah, even, even though you help them. Um, no, no, that that own goal was. Uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, that. That own goal was. Uh, it was definitely definitely mend. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. I understand completely. Yeah, changing yeah, yeah. weather, the wind yeah, yeah, went. Yeah, yeah, the wind. And yeah. All right now and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I've turned around and Peter Shillon was in goal. No words needed. No, no, none. I said, oh, that's good news. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, was, we, we didn't need a result, Derby. Yeah. Yeah. But it's flicked off the top of my head and gone over to go over Shilter's head. Yeah. And, uh, Does that go down I, for your Luton record, that one? Does that go yeah, down? I, 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 yeah. I actually didn't know. That. I, I swear to God, I, until I got in the dressing room and, and, and afterwards, in the, I didn't know the ramifications of it. Okay. I, I didn't have a clue. So it was uh, it was brilliant because I think Man City got relegated that year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So even yeah. saying that sentence, looking at football <laughs> yeah. now, oh, no. it's crazy. Man City yeah, yeah, being yeah. relegated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Brilliant. Should we move on to the topic? Yeah. So in 20, 2020, you were diagnosed with prostate cancer. Yes. Yeah. What leading up to that diagnosis were, you know, were you aware of? The symptoms. Let's talk about the symptoms as well for people that are listening that might not be aware of it. Was I aware of the symptoms? I, w- I was aware something was going on. Mm-hmm. I uh, PSA was quite high. It was mm-hmm. only around about five or six. So I went into uh, UCLH where I have my treatment at the moment, and they said there's something there, but you haven't got prostate cancer. Come back, we monitor, monitor you. Mm-hmm. And about. Nine months later, another PSA test, and my PSA had gone up to 28, 29. Uh, so they got me straight in, uh, did the biopsy, and and did all the procedures then. But before that, the what, was there any symptoms? Yeah, the symptoms are you, mm. you go to the toilet, and you sit down. Two minutes later, you go back to the toilet again. Mm. And it's, it's just crazy. And uh, you're up and down at night, three or four times in the middle of the night. 
sl very slow wee flow and stuff and all mm. that now. Go back to bed, lie back there, and you've got to get up again. No, no pain, no, no, mm. no, no pain, nothing, un any discomfort. Uh, then I was diagnosed, I had my biopsy, I was diagnosed that uh, the cancer had spread into my lymph nodes and my rib, mm. a bit here on my rib. So I couldn't have my prostate removed. Uh, so, and the normal procedures to just whip your prostate out. And, yeah. and uh, so I, I had to have radiotherapy for for, for a long time, uh, over 40 days, wow. 40, 40 sessions, which last was every weekday. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh, it's quite interesting. <laughs> mm, could imagine. So yeah. now that that's and, I, and I've been on uh, I've been on since then. I had my radiotherapy about about a year ago now, uh, and it's done a lot of damage down there. And yeah. I openly admit that you know mm. there, there is there's, there's damage uh, going going along with the radiotherapy mm. and stuff like that. And that, now I'm on a I'm on a hormone therapy, mm. which is they block your hormones, uh, you block your testosterone that. Testosterone apparently feeds the cancer. Mm. So six monthly injections yeah. and uh, and daily medication. I'm up. I'm in. I'm in a real good place at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my numbers are really good. Uh, my PSA is really low uh, because of the medication. Mm. I've got to wait till now till December. Then they'll bring me off the medication. Then we'll see where we are. Yeah. Mick, when you got the news, was it? Your biggest challenge, almost. Absolutely, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's as a player, as a footballer, you know, there's a, there's a bit of an aura about you, and you think mm -hmm. there's an invincibility, and and it just it just knocks you sideways, you know. And you think you, you can never contract that disease, mm -hmm. but uh, we're all so vulnerable, all very very vulnerable, and that's the message. Yeah, we're here today to send that message out to, mm -hmm. to people, please. If you have any kind of symptoms that I've spoke about, please get tested. Yeah. Mm. Please make sure you don't, don't don't shove it under the carpet. Make sure you go and get it's only a little pick prick in the arm, and you'll be done in five minutes. Mm. And uh, and find out it's probably probably you you might not contract the disease, but more yeah. so than anything. And uh, but just make sure and make sure you you, you cross all the eyes, and cross all the T's and dot the eyes, and mm. make sure you're in a good place. As you've gone through the process that you've explained, where are your emotions? Well, it's 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 a good question again, because you always my my emotions are, and uh, it's it's a really tough one because you always fear something's going to happen. You always fear the worst, and I think I think we all think like yeah, that. Um, maybe I don't think I'm 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 alone in that. No. So I'm dreading I'm dreading December. Uh, when when it all comes to head, where we see where we are. Right. Okay. Uh, but what I've done, and and if this helps anyone, I, I changed my lifestyle. Yeah. Totally, In what way? Totally changed my lifestyle. Uh, changed all my diet. Changed my eating habits. Uh, drinking habits. Yeah. Uh, lifestyle. More energy. More exercise. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I'm and I'm certain, absolutely certain, that's played a big part in it. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I feel fit. I feel well. It's, it's really strange to think like you you, you yeah. feel quite well and you, you you're suffering from something. Yeah, yeah. I I, I never talked about this earlier. My dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer probably Sorry, yeah. about oh, I'll say about seven years ago, and it's the same thing. Like and you know he would say you know he would get up all throughout the night and for that generation of man, 
he did have it for a while before going yeah. to the doctors. And, you know, he, and as soon as he was diagnosed and you hear that word cancer and we grow up, you hear cancer and it's like, the, of course, yeah. it's the thing you're it's most so scared true, of. Yeah. And, but then, you know, in touch word, he's, you know, he's fine now. There's been, you know, he's had, you know, other, other things, but not, not linked to the prostate. And, you know, he did do an <clears> overall of like his health of this and that. And, you know, it's kind of, to say it's something you live with, but you do, you get the numbers down. Yeah. And, you know, you live your life as healthy as you possibly can and you do, but it's it's getting it early enough. And it's a thing, I think, not to kind of generalise, I think men on the whole don't necessarily go to the doctor straight away, don't kind of get a symptom and think, quickly, go get it checked out. It's something, and I, yeah, yeah you put your hand, yeah. but I think it's, and I think so, like, again, like, you know, my other half might have something for ages and I'm like, but you go now. And yeah. it's like, you should, you shouldn't, you know, because of my dad and it's, but yeah, and you know, why is that, do you think that sometimes, is it a fear factor that we, like men maybe don't want to go to the doctors and feel what they'll say, or you, you feel like, no, it's, I'm fine, I'm fit, I'm healthy. It's definitely a fear factor. Mm. I mean, you women are much braver than us men. Mm. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, I, I just, I think the the biggest thing is 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 the effect it has on your family. Yeah. Mm. No, we we, I can handle it, but mm. sometimes my son yeah. and they find it very very difficult to handle it. You know, mm. and I think for that reason alone, you should go and get tested. Yeah. For that reason alone, the effect it has on your family, you should go and get tested just to get the all clear. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've lost I've lost two friends over recent years through cancer. One with a different type of cancer, and he's my former business partner. Yeah, and I saw how much it impacted his family. It impacted yeah. me. I changed him as a person. You know, um, just everything. You know, and then just recently again, <laughs> a very very close friend from school with prostate. You yeah, know, and and that's when I kind of understood the enormity of the disease. You know. Mm. It was during lockdown when we were just chatting. We had regular Zooms on in lockdown. And yeah. he just said, oh, I've got something to tell you, chaps. Like, just rather blasé kind of thing. And he sent us a photograph. What do you think this is? And it was this long thing. He said, yeah. He said, um, I ain't got a clue. What's that? He said, yeah. I found out today I've got, you know, I've got a disease. And he was so merry in a sense mm. of like, nothing changes. We continue our, our conversations. Don't ask, you know, you can ask me anything you want. Mm. I'll take you on a journey. And But then he became very withdrawn. You yeah. know, the longer it went on, he became very withdrawn. And me and my, my other friend didn't really want to keep messaging. We leave it yeah, to I him. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, I don't know where I'm trying to get to because of how emotional that stage was, was the enormity of what you're going through. I think for our audience, people that are listening to this, who may have that fear in the back of their mind, what message would you like to get across about well, your experience? Yeah, that, that's brilliant. That's, that's brilliant the way you've explained it. Because you, you can go to dark places. Mm. But the, the best thing for me and the best thing that happened to me was when we said, look, as a football club, we'll try and put the message out there. And the support you get is, is unbelievable. The support I've had is, is like, I mean, it brings a tear to my eyes. Right, yeah. People who supported me, the, firstly, the, the supporters at Luton Town. Secondly, the, the, the whole of Luton Town as a, as a community. Mm. Uh, then the football world that, and, and people I know and people I don't know and mm. people worldwide. And mm. the support has been immense. And 
and I, I know for for a fact. I mean, people who have prostate cancer or cancer get lots and lots of support, and yeah. that that gives you big strength. And yeah. It gives you big strength and a, a lot of positivity. So, all I could say to to people, please, please. Uh, Go and get tested. Get tested, get tested and, mm. and the support's there for you. Yeah. You know, you've got the Prostate Cancer UK, they're yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing charity who, who support uh, support everyone and they get behind you. There's there's lots of, lots of support mechanisms out there mm. and obviously fr friends and family yeah. who, who will be the best support for you anyway. Absolutely. And it's hard to kind of make people realise, you know, this is do get tested <laughs> as early as possible. I've had, you know, that lots of stuff with um um i've gone through some bouts of like ivf and things like that and yeah. but whenever i'm going there for my scans for my injections and all the nurses always say well don't worry like women have to do this but you know all, all men they have to they have all their prostate to deal with it's well known that you know what uh, we have to go through say with like you know fertility stuff or child whatever the you know quote unquote what women have to go through when you get to a certain age don't worry men have to deal with prostate it's something across the board that mm. that's what men have to deal yeah. with. And I think the more that becomes maybe common amongst men that you reach 40 or 45 or 50, okay, better go and get my tests. Better go just, ha you know, get things yeah. checked out. You know, that early detection is so vital. Um, what about Prostate FC? Um, it's a community of football fans, players and coaches. What 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 What, what is that? It's a... It's a a uh, prostate FC is a is a it comes from prostate.co.uk uh, the oh, prostate okay. charity. Yeah, it's just another arm of their yeah their uh, charity, which which means you can, for instance, you can hold a charity football match. You oh, can okay. have you can have a, a cricket match, whatever, and oh, that's really? your link to raise money for prostate.uk. Uh, oh, brilliant! Uh, it's a brilliant idea, absolutely yeah. brilliant idea, and. Uh, there's been a lot of support for it. Uh, Gary Haynes, who's the uh, who's my link to prostate, he's uh, he's really pushing that. So uh, mm. it's just another form of raising money for the charity. Yeah, and the more we can talk about it. You mentioned yeah. your fans there. That Luton Town fans, when you're not at a game, they chant your name. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, uh, oh, Yeah, yeah, I was uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I was at a game and <clears throat> just after my treatment, and I went to. Uh, I went to Forest away uh, when Forest won the championship, and uh, I, I knew they sang my name, but I didn't. I, yeah. uh, but but when I sat next to Gary and, and the board and that, you know, and all of a sudden, on about sixty-five minutes from over on the right, I started singing my name, and I like, whoa, I broke down. Really? To be fair, it was so emotional, and that, you know, just to hear them singing your name and just the support, mm -hmm. just to, to know the thinking of me and all that, and, and these tough mm -hmm. times. It's amazing, yeah. The, the best fans in the country yeah. by a country mile. Uh, what they've been through, the ups and downs, but they 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 are so uh, humble and, and I, I can't thank them enough. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to ask you about the enormity of hearing that, but you've just explained it—the emotional element that it took yeah. you, the space that it took you in. Mm. Are you shy at all to share that emotion, or is it just a natural thing? You know. Because we're gone from the Mick Harford. Remember the Mick Harford yeah. that I was scared of watching mm. on the TV because yeah, yeah. um, I thought he might tackle me. <laughs> to the Mick Harford who's had this experience, very humble, um, by the way, and very grateful. I think to, you know, continue your journey in football, but also have that wealth of support and love. 
I'm, I'm shy as a person, naturally. That's why I am. I'm really? I'm quite shy. That's why I'm blushing on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> those lights, mate. Yeah. We've got to blame yeah, it on the lights. lights yeah. <laughs> but I'm shy as a person, but it's it's just that you think, what, what, why me? What, what the singer am I yeah. in for? What, why, why? Yeah, why what, me? Why, why me? What, mm. what, what have I done to deserve yeah. this and all that? That's what my dad used to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. There's yeah. a difference, though, in it, singing it after you've scored a goal. Yeah. And singing it because you're still with everybody, you're still yeah. part of the Luton family. And I suppose that's the enormity that I know that you're grateful for, I can tell. Oh, absolutely, grateful. total respect yeah. for them. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to hold back the tears here when you, when you start talking about the Luton fans and what they've yeah. said and done for me. Another an amazing group. Unbelievable. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, Mick, thank you so much for talking to it's us. It's brilliant, hasn't it? It really, really has. It's been really, really oh, good. Oh, well, I'm pleased. Yeah, it's my pleasure and I really enjoyed it. Thank I you. I want the people to know the pressure that you feel because you have gone really, really red. And yeah, it's, he's bright <laughs> red. It's that, it's, that, it's that light there. You've gone, gone from being really laid back and casual to, right, OK, I think I need a drop of water. Yeah. Yeah. Mick, it's honestly, the journey, the story, mm. you know, you know when you know someone, like yeah. you know someone because of how you've seen them mm -hmm. on your TV screen, but then, you know, you sit in a room, you hear their personal stories, yeah. and the last part of your journey, the journey that you're undertaking at the moment, will inspire many, yeah, by the well. way, will inspire so, so many. Um, and those words from you, you know, just go and get yourself checked. No, I've, and, and thanks for the invitation, thanks for letting me put the word out there yeah. and uh, hope to go and get the message out. Thanks, thanks for having me, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Behind the Dugout Podcast. And find us on Instagram at Behind the Dugout Podcast for announcements and exclusive video clips from here in the studio. We'll see you next time. Behind the Dugout Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital.